Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning, and welcome to the morning segment of the November 14th, 2022 episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. Um, we're going to go ahead and jump right into our reading this morning. I don't have anything special or particular to be passing on this morning, so we'll go ahead and get going. Since this is the second day morning, um, big Monday morning, we're going to start with the second day morning prayer. It's called God over all. O God, all sufficient, thou hast made and upholdest all things by the word of thy power. Darkness is thy pavilion. Thou walkest on the wings of the wind. All nations are nothing before thee. One generation succeeds another, and we hasten back to the dust. The heavens we behold will vanish away, like the clouds that cover them. The earth we tread on will dissolve as a morning dream. But thou, unchangeable and incorruptible, art forever and ever. God over all, blessed eternally. Infinitely great and glorious art thou. We are thy offspring in thy care. Thy hands have made and fashioned us. Thou hast watched over us with more than parental love, more than maternal tenderness. Thou hast holden our soul in life, and not suffered our feet to be moved. Thy divine power has given us all things necessary for life and godliness. Let us bless thee at all times, and forget not how thou hast forgiven our iniquities, healed our diseases, redeemed our lives from destruction, crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercies, satisfied our mouths with good things, renewed our youth like the eagles. May, they may thy holy scriptures govern every part of our lives and regulate the discharge of all our duties, so that we may adorn thy doctrine in all things. Amen. All right. In our devotion for this morning, this will be the Spurgeon uh, devotions, morning and evening devotions for November 14th. We'll do the morning one. And the text for it is Zephaniah 1.5. I will cut off them that worship and that swear by the Lord and that swear by Malcolm. Such persons thought themselves safe because they were with both parties. They went with the followers of Jehovah and bowed at the same time to Malcolm. But duplicity is abominable with God and a hypocrisy his soul hateth. The idolater who distinctly gives himself to his false God has one sin less than he who brings his polluted and detestable sacrifice unto the temple of the Lord, while his heart is with the world and the sins thereof. To hold with the hare and run with the hounds is a dastard's policy. In the common matters of daily life, a double-minded man is despised, but in religion he is loathsome to the last degree. The penalty pronounced in the verse before us is terrible, but it is well deserved. For how should divine justice spare the sinner who knows the right, approves it, and professes to follow it, and all the while loves the evil and gives it dominion in his heart? My soul, search thyself this morning and see whether thou art guilty of double dealing. Thou professest to be a follower of Jesus. Dost thou truly love him? Is thy heart right with God? Art thou of the family of old father honest, or art thou a relative of Mr. By-ins? A name to live is of little value if I be indeed dead in trespasses and sins. To have one foot on the land of truth and another on the sea of falsehood will involve a terrible fall and a total ruin. Christ will be all or nothing. God fills the whole universe, and hence there is no room for another God. If, then, he reigns in my heart, there will be no space for another reigning power. Do I rest alone on Jesus crucified and live alone for him? Is it my desire to do so? Is my heart set upon so doing? If so, blessed be the mighty grace which has led me to salvation. And if not so, O Lord, pardon my sad offense and unite my heart to fear thy name. All right. 
And now on to our scripture readings. We are going to read today 1 Chronicles 3 and 4, Hebrews 9, Amos 3, and Psalms 146 and 147. So 1 Chronicles 3. Now these were the sons of David who were born to him in Hebron. The firstborn was Amnon by Ahinoam the Jezreelitess. The second was Daniel by Abigail the Carmelitess. The third was Absalom, the son of Makkah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Jeshur. The fourth was Adonijah, the son of Haggith. The fifth was Shephatiah by Abital. The sixth was Ithriam by his wife Eglah. Six were born to him in Hebron, and there he reigned seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem he reigned thirty-three years. There, these were born to him in Jerusalem, Shemiah, Shobab, Nathan, and Solomon. Four by Bathsheba, the daughter of Amiel, and Ibhar, Elishama, Eliphalet, Naga, Nepheg, and Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphalet, nine. All these were the sons of David, besides the sons of the concubines, and Tamar was their sister. Now Solomon's son was Rehoboam, Abijah was his son, Asa his son, Jehoshaphat his son, Joram his son, Ahaziah his son, Joash his son, Amaziah his son, Azariah his son, Jotham his son, Ahaz his son, Hezekiah his son, Manasseh his son, Amon his son, Josiah his son. The sons of Josiah were Johanan, the firstborn, and the second was Jehoiakim, the third Zedekiah, the fourth Shalem. The sons of Jehoiakim were Jeconiah his son, Zedekiah his son. The sons of Jeconiah the prisoner were Shiltiel his son, and Malkiram, Padiah, Shenazar, Jechamiah, Hoshama, and Nedabiah. The sons of Padiah were Zerubbabel and Shemi, and the sons of Zerubbabel were Meshulam and Hananiah, and Shelamith was their sister. And Hashuba, Ohel, Berechiah, Hasadiah, and Jushab Hesed, five. The sons of Hananiah were Pelatiah and Jeshiah. The sons of Rephiah, the sons of Arnon, or Amon, sorry, the sons of Amon, the sons of Obadiah, the sons of Shechaniah. The sons of Shechaniah were Shemaiah, and the sons of Shemaiah, Hatush, Igal, Bariah, or Bariah, Neariah, and Shaphat, six. The sons of Neariah were Elioni, Hizkiah, and Azrakam, three. The sons of Elioni were Hodaviah, Eliashib, Pelaiah, Akub, Johanan, Delaiah, and Anani, seven. First Chronicles 4, sorry. The sons of Judah were Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Reaiah, the son of Shobal, became the father of Jahath, and Jahath became the father of Ahumai and Lahad. These were the families of the Zorahites. These were the sons of Etam, Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash, and the name of their sister was Hazeloponi. Penuel was the father of Gidor, and Ezer, the father of Husha. Husha. These were the sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephratha, the father of Bethlehem. Ashur, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hela and Nara. Nara bore him Ahuzam, Hefer, Timani, and Hashishtari. These were the sons of Nara. The sons of Hela were Zareth, Izar, and Ethnan. Kaz became the father of Anub and Zobiba, and the families of Aharhel, the son of Haram. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him with pain. Then Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed, and enlarge my border, and that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. And God brought about what he asked. Chalub, the daughter, I'm sorry, Chalub, the brother of Shuha, became the father of Mehir, who was the father of Eshton. Eshton became the father of Bethrapha and Pasia and Tehina, the father of Irnahash. 
These are the men of Rika. Now the sons of Kernaz were Othniel and Zeraiah, and the sons of Othniel were Hathath and Meonith, Meonithai. Meonithai became the father of Ophrah, and Saraiah became the father of Joab, the father of Geharashim, for they were craftsmen. The sons of Caleb, the son of Japuna, were Iru, Ella, and Nam, and the son of Ella was Kenaz. The sons of Jehalalel were Ziph and Zipha, Tiria and Azarel. The sons of Ezra were Jether, Merid, Epher, Jalon, and these are the sons of Bethia, the daughter of Pharaoh, whom Merid took, and she conceived, and bore Miriam, Shammai, and Ishba, the father of Eshtemoah. His Jewish wife bore Jared, the father of Gedor, and Heber, the father of Soko, and Jacuthiel, the father of Zenoah. The sons of the wife of Hodiah, the sister of Nahum, were the fathers of Kelea, I'm sorry, Kela, the Garmite, and Eshtemoah, the Maccathite. The sons of Shimon were Amon and Rina, Ben-Hanan and Telon. And the sons of Ishi were Zoheth and Ben-Zoheth. The sons of Shelah, the son of Judah, were Ur, the father of Lecha, and Lada, the father of Maresha. And the families of the house of the fine linen workers at Beth Ashbeah. And Jochim, the men of Koziba, Joash, Seraph, who ruled in Moab, and Jeshubi Lehem, and the records are ancient. These were the potters and the inhabitants of Natam and Jadera. They lived there with the king for his work. The sons of Simeon were Nimuel and Jamin, Jerob, Zerah, Shaul, Shalem his son, Mibsam his son, Mishma his son. The sons of Mishma were Hamuel his son, Zachur his son, Shemi his son. Now Shemi had sixteen sons and six daughters, but his brothers did not have many sons, nor did all their family multiply like the sons of Judah. They lived at Beersheba, Molada, and Hazar Shual, at Bilha, Ezim, Tolad, Bethuel, Horma, Ziklag, Beth Markaboth, Hazar Susim, Bethbiri, and Sharaim. These were these were their cities until the reign of David. Their villages were Etam, Ain, Rimon, Tokim, Tochim, I'm sorry, and Ashan, five cities, and all their villages that were all around these cities as far as Baal. These were their settlements, and they have their genealogy. Meshobab and Jamlek and Josha, the son of Amaziah, and Joel and Yehu, Jehu, the son of Joshabiah, the son of Saraiah, the son of Asiel, and Elioni, Jacobah, Jeshohiah, Asaiah, Adiel, Jesimiel, and Benaiah, Ziza, the son of Shiphi, the son of Elon, the son of Jediah, the son of Shimri, the son of Shemaiah. These who came into the record by name were leaders in their families and their father's houses increased greatly. They went to the entrance of Gedor, even to the east side of the valley, to seek pasture for their flocks. They found rich and good flat pasture, and the land was broad and quiet and peaceful, for those who lived there formerly were Hamites. And these, recorded by name, came in the days of Hezekiah, king of Judah, and struck down their tents, and the Munites who were forced, who were found there, there <coughs> excuse me, and devoted them to destruction to this day and lived in their place, because there was pasture there for their flocks. From them, from the sons of Simeon, five hundred men went to Mount Seir with Pelatiah, Neariah, Rephaiah, and Uziel, the sons of Ishi, as their chiefs. They struck down the remnant of the Amalekites who escaped, and have lived there to this day. All right, give me just a minute to adjust here. I needed some back support. All right, Hebrews 9. Now even the first covenant had requirements of divine worship and the, earth, and the earthly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle prepared, the first part in which were the lampstand and the table and the sacred bread, which is called the holy place. And behind the second veil, there was a tabernacle, which is called the holy of holies, 
having a golden altar of incense, and the Ark of the Covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden jar holding the manna, and Aaron's rod which budded, and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now when these things have been so prepared, the priests are continually entering the first part of the tabernacle, performing the divine worship. But into the second, only the high priest enters once a year, not without taking blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit is indicating this, that the way into the holy places has not yet been manifested while that first part of the tabernacle is still standing, which is a symbol for the present time. Accordingly, both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make the worshiper perfect in conscience, since they relate only to food and drink and various washing requirements for the body imposed until the time of reformation. But when Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come, he entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy places once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this reason, he is the mediator Sorry. of a new covenant, so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the trespasses that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where a covenant in is, there must be, a, be of necessity be the death of the one who made it. For a covenant is valid only when men are dead, for it is never in force while the one who made it lives. Therefore not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment had, has been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of the calves and the goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the, of the covenant which God commanded you. And in the same way, both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry he sprinkled with the blood. And according to the law, one may almost say, All things are cleansed with blood, and without shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. Therefore it was necessary for the copies of the things in the heavens to be cleansed with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter holy places made with hands, mere copies of the true ones, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often, as the high priest enters the holy places year by year, with blood that is not his own. Otherwise he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of since the foundation of the world, but now once at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment, so Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation, without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await him. All right, Amos 3. Hear this word which Yahweh has spoken against you, sons of Israel, against the entire family which he brought up from the land of Egypt, saying, you only, you only have I known among all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Do two men walk together unless they have made an appointment? Does a lion roar in the forest when it has no prey? Does a young lion give forth its voice from its den unless it has captured something? Does a bird fall into a trap on the ground when there is no bait in it? Does a trap spring up from the earth when it captures nothing at all? If a trumpet is blown in a city, will not the people tremble? If a calamity happens in a city, has not Yahweh done it? Surely Lord Yahweh does nothing unless he reveals his secret counsel to his slaves, the prophets. A lion that roared, who will not fear? Lord Yahweh has spoken, who can but prophesy? 
make it hurt on the citadels in Ashdod and on the citadels in the land of Egypt, and say, Gather yourselves on the mountains of Samaria, and see the great confusion within her and the oppressions in her midst. But they do not know how to do what is right, declares Yahweh. These who hoard up violence and devastation in their citadels. Therefore, thus says Lord Yahweh, an adversary, an adversary, even one surrounding the land, will pull down your strength from you, and your citadels will be plundered. Thus says Yahweh, just as a shepherd delivers from the lion's mouth a couple of legs or a piece of an ear, so will the son of Israel inhabiting Samaria be delivered with the corner of a bed and the cover of a couch. Hear and testify against the house of Jacob, declares Lord Yahweh, the God of hosts. For on that day that I punish Israel's transgressions, I will also punish the altars of Bethel. The horns of the altar will be cut in pieces, and they will fall to the ground. I will also strike the right, uh, the winter house together with the summer house. The houses of ivory will, will also perish, and the great houses will come to an end, declares Yahweh. All right, Psalm 146. Praise Yah. Praise Yahweh, O my soul. I will praise Yahweh throughout my life. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Do not trust in nobles, in merely a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. His spirit departs, he returns to the earth. In that very day his plans perish. How blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in Yahweh his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, who keeps truth forever, who does justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. Yahweh sets the prisoners free. Yahweh opens the eyes of the blind. Yahweh raises up those who are bowed down. Yahweh loves the righteous. Yahweh keeps the sojourners. He helps up the orphan and the widow, but he bends the way of the wicked. Yahweh will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, from generation to generation. Praise Yah. All right, and finally, Psalm 147. Praise Yah, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant and praise is becoming. Yahweh builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He is the one who heals the brokenhearted and who binds up their wounds. Who counts the number of the stars? He gives names to all of them. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His discernment is infinite. Yahweh helps up the afflicted. He brings down the wicked to the ground. Sing to Yahweh with thanksgiving. Sing praises to our God on the lyre. He is the one who covers the heavens with clouds, the one who provides rain for the earth, the one who makes grass to sprout on the mountains, who gives to the animal its food and to the young ravens which call out. He does not delight in the midst of the horse. He does not take pleasure in the legs of a man. Yahweh is pleased with those who fear him, those who wait for his loving kindness. Laud Yahweh, O Jerusalem, praise your God, O Zion, for he strengthened the bars of your gates. He blessed your sons within you. He is the one who sets peace in your borders. He satisfies you with the finest of the wheat, the one who sends forth his command to the earth. His word never runs very swiftly. The one who gives snow like a wool, like wool, he scatters the frost like ashes. Who casts forth his ice as a as, his ice as fragments, who can stand before his cold. He sends forth his word and melts them. He causes his wind to blow, and so the waters flow. Who declares his word to Jacob, his, his statutes and his judgments to Israel? He has not done so with any, with any nation. So as for his judgments, they have not, sorry, they have not known them. Praise Yah. All right. Well, that is our reading for this morning. We're going to go ahead and close with prayer, and then this will be the ending of the morning section. Um, of course, we would love for you to be able to come back for the evening section and uh, participate in that, um, use it as, a, as an evening devotional. But of course, if you want to, you can just listen straight on through, but I will definitely make a clean, clean distinction between the morning section and the evening section. So we're going to go ahead and close out this morning section 
with a prayer from Valley of Vision called Confession and Petition. Holy Lord, I have sinned times without sinned times without number and been guilty of pride and unbelief, of failure to find thy mind in thy word, of neglect to seek thee in my daily life. My transgressions and shortcomings present me with a list of accusations, but I bless thee that they will not stand against me, for all I have been laid for all I have been laid on Christ. Go on to subdue my corruptions and grant me grace to live above them. Let not the passions of the flesh nor lustings of the mind bring my spirit into subjection, but do thou rule over me in liberty and power. I thank thee that many of my prayers have been refused. I have asked amiss and do not have. I have prayed from lust and been rejected. I have longed for Egypt and been given a wilderness. Go on with thy patient work, answering no to my wrongful prayers and fitting me to accept it. Purge me from every false desire, every base aspiration, everything contrary to thy rule. I thank thee for thy wisdom and thy love, for all the acts of discipline to which I am subject, for sometimes putting me into the furnace to refine my gold and remove my dross. No trial is so hard to bear as a sense of sin. If thou shouldst give me give me choice to live in pleasure and keep my sins or to have them burnt away with with trial give me sanctified affliction deliver me from every evil habit every creation i'm sorry every accretion of former sins everything that dims the brightness of thy grace in me everything that everything that prevents me taking delight in thee then i shall bless thee god of jeshurun for helping me to be upright. Amen. All right. Well, I hope you go on to have a wonderful day. I again will say, do every little thing that you do today for the glory of God. And God willing, I hope to see you back this evening. God bless. Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good evening and welcome to the evening section of the November 14th, 2022 episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. I continue to be Wayne Floyd, your host. And let's go ahead and get into our readings and into our short message for this evening. Um, the We're going to go ahead and open with a prayer from Valley of Vision. This prayer is called Amazing Grace. O thou giving God, my heart is drawn out in thankfulness to thee for thy amazing grace and condescension to me in influences and assistance of thy spirit for special help in prayer, for the sweetness of Christian service, for the thoughts of arriving in heaven, for always sending me needful supplies, for raising me to noon life when I am like one dead. I want not the favor of man to lean upon, for thy favor is infinitely better. Thou art eternal wisdom in dispensations towards me, and it matters not when, nor where, nor how I serve thee, nor what trials I am exercised with, if I might but be prepared for thy work and will. No poor creature stands in need of divine grace more than I do, and yet none abuses it more than I have done, and still do. How heartless and dull I am! Humble me in the dust for not loving thee more. Every time I exercise any grace renewedly, I am renewedly indebted to thee, the God of all grace, for special assistance. I cannot boast when I think how dependent I am upon thee for the being and every act of grace. I never do anything else but depart from thee, and if ever I get to heaven, it will be because thou willest it, and for no reason beside. I love, as a feeble, afflicted, despised creature, to cast myself on thy infinite grace and goodness, 
hoping for no happiness but from thee. Give me special grace to fit me for special services, and keep me calm and resigned at all times, humble, solemn, mortified, and conformed to thy will. Amen. All right, and now the evening devotion for November 14, 2022 from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. Text for it is Genesis 29, 26. And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country. Yeah, it must not be done in, so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. We do not excuse Laban for his dishonesty, but we scruple not to learn from the custom which he quoted as his excuse. There are some things which must be taken in order, and if we would win the second, we must secure the first. The second may, may be the more lovely in our eyes, but the rule of the heavenly country must stand, and the elder must be married first. For instance, many men desire the beautiful and well-favored Rachel of joy and peace in believing, but they must first be wedded to the tender-eyed Leah of repentance. Everyone falls in love with happiness, and many would cheerfully serve twice seven years to enjoy it. But according to the rule of the Lord's kingdom, the Leah of real holiness must be beloved of our soul before the Rachel of true happiness can be attained. Heaven stands not first, but second, and only by persevering to the end can we win a portion in it. The cross must be carried before the crown can be worn. We must follow our Lord in his humiliation, or we shall never rest with him in glory. My soul, what sayest thou? Art thou so vain as to hope to break through the heavenly rule? Dost thou hope for reward without labor, or honor without toil? Dismiss the idle expectation, and be content to take the ill-favored things for the sake of the sweet love of Jesus, which will recompense thee for all. In such a spirit, laboring and suffering, thou wilt, I'm sorry, thou wilt find bitter, bitters grow sweet, and hard things easy. Like Jacob, thy years of service will seem unto thee but a few days, for the love thou hast to Jesus. And when the dear, sorry, and when the dear hour of the wedding feast shall come, all thy toils shall be as though they had never been. And an hour with Jesus will make up for ages of pain and labor. Jesus, to win thyself so fair, thy cross I will with gladness bear. Since so the rules of heaven ordain, the first I'll wed, the next to gain. All right. And that, that was our reading, our, our devotion and prayer to open up this evening section. Um, so we're continuing on. Sorry, I needed something to drink. So we're continuing on in our study of Ephesians. And we've walked through, we've gone through all the different walks we've talked about, all these different walks that um, <clears throat> are all part of the worthy walk that Ephesians 4 starts off with. And they build upon each other. So we finally hit the walk of spirit, that spirit-filled walk. Um, and yesterday we talked about that walking in the spirit. Um, and that, let's see, what was it? Um, not being not being drunk with wine, but being filled with the spirit. And so that being filled with the spirit, it, there are three consequences to being truly filled with spirit. And remember I said, it's, it actually translates as be being filled up. It, it's filled up to the point of overflowing with the spirit is what is implied in verse 18. So there are consequences of that. And the first of those consequences we will see in verse 19 this evening, and it's singing. It's singing. That's why I my title for tonight was Spirit-Filled Singing. And this is the first of those consequences of being filled to the top and overflowing in the Spirit. Being overflowing with Spirit in the Spirit. Um, and that's part of the Spirit-Filled walk. And this isn't a private thing. It's a speaking to one, it leads in speaking to one another. This is a public thing. This is not talking about singing in the shower. This is talking about singing and singing in public. And let's talk some definitions real quick. This is speaking of psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And these had specific des des designations, excuse me. The psalms here. This is understood to be the book of psalms that is sung to a tune 
and that praises God. So the Psalms were sung. Um, the Psalms, the book of Psalms, was basically the Israelites, the Hebrews, um, hymn book. The, the, these were their these were their praise their praise songs, and of course, the Psalms were about praising God. So we move on to hymns. Hymns were so songs of praise, but they differed from the Psalms in that they praised Christ. So you have the the Psalms that praised God and the hymns that were also songs of praise, but praised Christ. And then you have spiritual songs, which were songs of personal, personal testimony of the grace of our salvation in Christ. Notice, in none of those is there any indication that this singing is about ourselves, other than the personal testimony, but again, this, for spiritual songs, but this is, this is a personal testimony of the grace of our salvation in Christ. It's not, it's still not about us other than the fact that we're the focus of that salvation in Christ, but it's about the grace of the salvation in Christ. But that's not what our singing, our corporate singing tends to be. And I, I, I was speaking some of it last night. Um, and you know, this goes on this singing and making melody. So it's referring to the fact of not just singing from your mouth, but using instruments. Too many people have tried to turn around and go, oh, they, they only ever sang. So we shouldn't use any instruments. There are people out there that are absolutely against the use of any instrument whatsoever in singing songs in worship. Singing and making melody. I, I, uh, singing is making melody. So if it says singing and making melody, it's singing with your voice and making melody with, a, with an instrument of some kind, whatever that might be, whether it's the lyre, whether it's the trumpet, whether, you know, whatever it might be. So again, it's with, with your voice and with the instruments, but it's doing it to God. And it goes on in there with your heart to the Lord. And that's really the crux of this with your heart to the Lord. The singing has to be focused to him, not on us. Too much of the praise music out there has been and still is focused on self. It's focused on us. I can't tell you how many songs I've come across and they say, and, and they're I, 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 I mean, half the CCLI library that I've come across. And, and I'm sorry, if you don't know what that is, it, it's basically um, a, a, a library of contemporary Christian music, but it's I, 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 me, 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 I, 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 me, me, me. That's not what we're called to be singing. I mean, we should be so filled with the spirit that the stuff coming out of our mouth is focused on God, is focused on Christ, is focused on the salvation and the grace that we've, the grace we've received through the salvation in Jesus Christ. That's where, that's where our worship singing should be. That's where that praise should be. But that's not what's, what's happening out there that I, I, I mean, I've been to them. The, um, the churches where it's basically a concert and, and I've even heard people that were part of worship groups, though, honestly, that's a misnomer. Let's be clear. Worship is the entirety of the service, not just the singing. The singing is a piece of the service. It is not a thing in and of itself. It is not a discrete piece. And the fact is, with it not being a discrete piece of its own, it being part of that worship service, its focus should be to lead the congregation to, to sing and praise God with our heart to the Lord congregationally. It's not to put on a performance. That's not what this is about. This is about singing back and forth to each other as we praise God. That's what this is speaking of. The person that is truly be being filled, filled up Filled to the top to overflowing with the Spirit, be filled with the Spirit, verse 18 there, Ephesians 5, 18, that it just overflows them. 
but it's all focused up towards God, towards Christ, about that salvation. That's what's being referenced here. That's just what Paul is talking about here. That's what it's supposed to be out. And again, I've heard people, and I'm sorry, I gotta, I kind of skipped over what I, something I was going to say. I've heard people in these so-called worship groups refer to the morning songs they were going to do in a church service as a gig. It is not a gig. It is not a musical performance for you. Not in any way, shape, shape, or form. And we cannot look at it as that. They are not up there to entertain us. We are not up there if we are performing. And I've been in worship groups. We're not up there to perform. We're not up there to riff solos. We're not up there to draw the attention to us. The fact is, if a worship group, or I'm sorry, if, 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 if the musical accompaniment with voice and instrument that leads, that is supposedly leading the congregation in corporate singing brings the attention to themselves, they're failing. We're failing if we do that. It should be pointing up and it should be with our heart to the Lord, with our heart to the Lord, meaning that we're so filled with the spirit and it can't help but flow out of us and flow up. And I mean, of course, that's figurative, but you you get my meaning. Um, and we have examples of that. Um, Second Chronicles, uh, what is it? Second Chronicles 5, yeah. Second Chronicles 5, um, verses 11 through 14. Now it happened that when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without regard to division, and all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman, Jeduthun, and their sons and relatives, clothed in fine linen with cymbals, harps, and lyres, standing east of the altar, and with them 120 priests blowing trumpets, in unison when the trumpeters and the singers were to make themselves heard with one voice to praise and to give thanks to Yahweh. Notice, not talking about themselves. Praise and give thanks to Yahweh. And when they lifted up their voice accompanied by trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music, and when they praised Yahweh saying, he indeed is good for his loving kindness endures forever. Then the house, the house of Yahweh was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of Yahweh filled the house of God. That is spirit filled singing. That is spirit filled worship. That is what that overflow is. Because when we're walking in the spirit, when we're walking, totally be being filled, being, being filled to overflowing, that's what happens. Are we going to get a cloud? I don't know. But think about how awesome that must have been there in the temple. Think of how awesome that must have been. Acts 16, we see the same kind of thing. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. They're in prison at this point. And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the jailhouse were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were unfastened. Their singing was so spirit-filled. They were so full to overflowing of the spirit. And in their singing, they brought about an earthquake. Now, again, I, it wasn't them causing the earthquake. It was God responding in the earthquake. But they were so filled with singing and, and such that, you know, the jailer comes out, sees the prison door open. He draws his sword. And he's about to commit suicide. Because he knows if these prisoners have escaped, which is what he's assuming, because everything's unlocked and open, that he's going to get killed. So he's going to take his own life to protect his family. I mean, that, that's kind of common across the world back in those times, that I'll take my life, that way I've paid the penalty, my family will be okay. But Paul has to call, cry out to him, do not harm yourself, for we're all, we're all here. It was so spirit-filled and so massive and so awesome they didn't even leave. They stayed there just enamored and, and just 
so overcome by how spirit-filled and massive that that experience was. And let me tell you, one of the most beautiful sounds I've ever heard was the voice of someone who was truly spirit-filled singing praise to God, their voice raised. And, I, and, and, and it is as beautiful, even if that person, person couldn't carry a tune in a wash tub. I've twice now been blessed with being able to go to the Shepherds Conference. And both times, yes, I had men around me singing, and I, man, you've not heard anything till you've heard Grace Community Churches full of men singing praise to God. It is amazing. But it is as amazing because invariably I'll end up with people around me that have good, solid voices, can sing, can carry a tune, but I'll also have people around me that, again, couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. You know what? Both were beautiful because it wasn't, it wasn't about the skill level. It wasn't about their capability. It was the fact that they were full to overflowing with the spirit and it was pouring out of them in that spirit filled singing. And they were singing. Sorry, I gotta move back with their heart to the Lord. They were singing with their heart to the Lord. That's what this is about. And again, I've, I I can't tell you how many times I've heard people turn around. And the reason I bring that, that, that up about whether you can sing or not is I've heard too many people do the, well, I just don't sing very well. I really don't have, I, I just really can't carry a tune. You know what? Honestly, God doesn't care. I guarantee you God doesn't care. This doesn't talk about, I mean, this verse here, these verses here, this verse here, verse 19, doesn't talk about the skill of the singer. He's talking about the the singing being spirit-filled with the heart to the Lord. That's where we have to be when we come to worship. We've got to be full to overflowing. And, and especially in the cases when we don't even know the song or we've never even heard it before or it's been a while or whatever. But that's what we're called to. We're called to genuinely be overflowing with the Spirit and, and that, that being so overflowed with the Spirit that we manifest this fruit. That's what a spirit-filled, that's one of those, those characteristics that that spirit-filled walk will show. That they won't be able to help themselves. They're so overflowing, they can't help but raise their voice to praise God. Well, they can care, whether they can carry a t- tune or not. And you'll know, you'll know that they're spirit-filled. And it is something amazing to behold. And that's where we've got to be when we gather together. It's not about a performance. It's not about judging each other's skill level. It's not about a gig. It's about being so overflowing with the Spirit of God. So overflowing. So so enmeshed in the walk of the Spirit that we cannot help but open our mouths and sing praises to God, praises to Christ, and show gratefulness for the salvation we've received. We shouldn't be able to help ourselves. We shouldn't be able to stand there with our mouth closed or with sitting there going, to assume, to, to, to mimic like we're singing. So people won't mess with us. We shouldn't be able to help ourselves. We ought to, we ought to sing even when there's not music, you know, not be able to help ourselves that we start singing even when there's not music going on. That's what that spirit filled walk is. 
And it is a wonderful, wonderful testimony for Christ in this world, which needs it so badly. But you and I have got to be about that. We've got to manifest this kind of thing. And too many of us, we sit there and we go, oh, well, you know, that's just not my thing. And I don't really, I don't want to hear it. And God doesn't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it from myself. There's no excuse. This is what we are called to. And we have to be about it. So let's do that. Let's truly manifest this. And sing full of spirit with our hearts to the Lord. All right. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. We're going to do second day evening. It's called Bounty. Thou great and only potentate, thou hast made summer and winter, day and night. Each of these revolutions serves our welfare and is full of thy care and kindness. Thy bounty is seen in the relations that train us, the laws that defend us, the homes that shelter us, the food that builds us, the raiments that comforts us, the continuance of our health, members, senses, understanding, memory, affection, and will. But as stars fade before the rising sun, thou hast eclipsed all these benefits in the wisdom and grace that purposed redemption by Jesus thy Son. Blessed be thy mercy that laid help on one that is mighty and willing, one that is able to save to the uttermost. Make us deeply sensible of our need of his saving grace, of the blood that cleanses, of the rest he has promised, and impute to us that righteousness which justifies the guilty, gives them a title to eternal life and possession of the Spirit. May we love the freeness of salvation and joy in its holiness. Give us faith to grasp thy promises that are our hope. Provide for every exigency and prevent every evil. Keep our hearts from straying after forbidden pleasures. May thy will bind all our wishes. Let us live out of the world as to its spirit, maxim, and manners, but live in it as the sphere of our action and usefulness. May we be alive to every call of duty, accepting without question thy determination of our circumstances and our service. Amen. Okay. I hope this time together has been beneficial to you, has lifted you up, has edified you, equipped you, and hedged up your way. And God willing, I hope to see you again tomorrow morning. Have a blessed evening. God bless. Thank you.